Hey guys, this is Dustin Langley. I'm the senior pastor at Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor, Washington. And this is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get these new sermons every week. Hope you have a blessed day. We're going to close today on the last piece of the equipment that God has given us to fight the spiritual battle. And I'm going to talk to you about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Because God didn't just give us equipment to stand there, to dawn, and to then just stand there and get hit, right? God doesn't want you just putting all your armor on so that the devil can slap you around and you're like, it doesn't hurt. No, God has specifically given you a weapon to put you on offense so that you can fight your battle because God is not content with us just sitting here doing nothing. God wants us active, being a part, fighting this battle that is constantly waging in the spirit realm for our soul. But how do we fight? Well, the sword that he's given us isn't necessarily a natural one, right? You don't just have this, I wish I had a really cool sword from God sitting on my counter or hanging on the wall. I think every guy in this room would love that. Can I see a show of hands, men? Yes, some of you probably do have cool swords hanging on your wall, and I also envy you. However, the sword that God has given us to fight the spiritual battle is a spiritual sword, and it comes in the form of the Word of God. And we see it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, which is the portion of Scripture, the passage that we've been covering these last five weeks, It encompasses the full armor of God. But the full armor of God isn't complete without having the sword that he's given us to fight the battle. And the purpose of having this armor and having this sword is so that we can properly fight, so that we are prepared to go into war because God isn't sending us into war without the ability to fight, right? He wants us prepared. He wants us ready to go. He wants us as able beings, able Christian men and women to go in and fight the devil and the evil spirits and take them out one by one. But he wants you prepared. Being prepared is important, right? It's vital. If you don't know the schemes of the enemy, if you don't know the tactics that the enemy's trying to employ, then you will not be properly able to fight. Would you agree with that? I think of it even in the terms of a football game, right? They have film for a reason. And you're supposed to watch that film on said team before you play them, not after you play them. Or else you will be a part of the film that other teams watch so that they can prepare for you. But that's why defenses and offensive watch the film of the other team for the fo- for the upcoming game so that they can watch the tendency, the little things that give away what they might be doing on the line of scrimmage or as a receiver or even as a quarterback. What is the tell? What is the little thing that they do every time before the ball is thrown or before it's handed off? And when you're watching film, you gain an understanding of your opponent and how they act and what they like to do, which is why for us as Christian men and women, it is vitally, it is actually, it is essential that we are constantly aware that there is a battle going on and we understand how does the devil work? How is he getting into our life? Where is he gaining access in to create strongholds in my life? And then how do I go in and break them? Because many times we're completely and we are just utterly oblivious to how the devil is attacking us. 
if we're vigilant, right? If we're watchful, if you have a good friend who can call you out from time to time, anybody in this room, right? Sometimes you need a friend to call you out on your stuff and point out the struggle. But when you can identify how the enemy is getting into your camp, how he's getting into your house, how he's getting into your relationships, how he's getting into your friendships, right? How he's getting into your workplace and, and creating division and chaos and havoc. If you can identify how the enemy is getting in, then you can go in and you can fight and you can break that stronghold off of your life. Amen. And it says in Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18, we're going to read it in its entirety, but we'll be focusing specifically on verse 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole arm armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand Firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation, which is what we talked about last week, and the sword of the spirit, which is what we will talk about today. And the sword of the Spirit is, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. When we read this text, you know, we understand that all of the equipment is necessary in order to fight the battle, which is why it constantly, and it repeats multiple times, to take up the whole armor of God. And then it says again, therefore, take up the whole. I mean, Paul is constantly repeating himself throughout this passage because he wants us to be aware and understand that you're not just meant to put on the belt of truth for the day and call it good, right? That we're not just supposed to put the breastplate on and say, I'm righteous, I'm good to go, right? Or even the helmet of salvation or the shoes for the gospel of peace, right? Peace is awesome and it's necessary, but if we're not getting peace from the right source, then it's just peace temporarily. And so where and who is our source? Where is this equipment coming from? We understand that the whole armor of God is coming from God, God the Father. We're talking about Yahweh. We're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we understand that we are putting on the whole armor of God, and it doesn't come from natural man-made sources, then we understand that when God gives us this armor, it is unlimited. It is forever. It is something that cannot be broken by any enemy or any, any other scheme that the enemy employs to try to take you out because it is eternal. This spiritual war that we are in is eternal, but we have to understand that we're a part of it. And we can fight. We can put on the armor of God, but we're not just going to stand there and do nothing. We're going to don the sword, which is the word of God, and we're going to actively fight in this battle. The sword of the spirit, the word of God is meant 
to fight this spiritual battle. Now, yes, there are other things we can do spiritually to fight, right? You pray, we worship, we fast. There are many things that we can do in this world, but when I'm praying, what am I usually doing? I'm usually praying the word of God when I'm praying, right? The promises of God, because I'm not just drawing from my own willpower. No, I'm drawing on who God is when I'm praying, and who God is is found within his word. So usually when I'm praying over a circumstance, I pray the word of God, and that is my offense. That is how I fight the battles that I'm in every single day. And we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want to go back to verse four here really quick, because when we read it, it says, for the weapons of our warfare, not of the flesh, the word of God is not made of man. The word of God is eternal. It is God breathed. It is written and it fell on the record in a man-made piece of paper in leather-bound papers or on your phone, yes, but it was inspired and breathed on by God through man, and it is for us, and it will never, ever pass away. And so this is how we fight our battles. We speak, we proclaim, and we declare over our lives the promises of God, the truths of God, because the enemy cannot break the word of God. The enemy cannot overcome what is already written about him, right? The devil wants to get in your ear and lie to you. He's going to tell you you're not good enough. He wants to get in your ear and he wants you to quit. He wants you to stop. Yeah, he wants you to give up on your marriage. He wants you to give up on being a parent, right? Because some of us and some people think that, you know, even when a house is divided and husband and wife, they, they're separated, they get a divorce, right? Many parents sometimes choose to just give up. Oh, well, they're not with me anymore, so I'm going to stop. We are never stop becoming parents, and the enemy would love you to think that you're not a parent anymore, that you don't matter anymore because your kid isn't in your home. You will always be a parent, and you can tell the devil to shut up. You can tell him to go away because... He, they were birthed from you. You were a part of the equation and God used you to birth that child and therefore you will always be its parent and you must bring them up under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? The enemy would love you to th for you to think that you could let your guard down. You could stop parenting a bit. You can just do your own thing, right? And he would love for you to think that it's worth giving up on your spouse. He would love for you to think that you should quit doing what he's called you to do, like maybe start your business. Some of you might have an awesome nonprofit or an organization that you built from the ground up, but things have gotten hard. The enemy would love for you to stop, especially if it's for a good cause. Because the last thing the enemy needs is a bunch of men and women walking around doing good things for Jesus. The devil already knows his final story. He knows what happens at the end of the book. And so we just have to constantly remind him of that, right? The devil's going to remind you of your past. And as I mentioned already a few messages ago, you just got to go ahead and remind him of his future. And by doing that, you're proclaiming the word of God because even though the enemy thought he won when Jesus hung on that cross and he was, de and he was dead for a moment, he forgot 
that the word says three days later, he's going to rise again, right? And so we must remind the enemy on his final destination. We must also continue to speak the word of God. You got to take up your sword. Men, women in this room, if, you, if we're Christians, then we have to remember to take up our sword and start fighting, which means you better start speaking the word of God over the things of your life, over the different areas of your life. Take authority over your life with the word of God. It's our responsibility. I can't do it for you. You also can't sit there and even just think it. Did you know that you have to actually speak the word of God over your circumstance or at least over the enemy? The Bible says that only God knows the heart, right? It does. Okay. It does. You can, you can, oh, okay. Yes. Also, if you'd like to say amen, it's okay in this church, you know, amen. All right. All right, you got a little tight this morning, a little stiff. Not enough coffee, all right. You didn't show up to mass, all right? This isn't mass. This is church, all right? You, you, can, you can have church, all right? You can have church. We, we, we have in church right now, and I'm having fun doing it, and you can have fun doing it, all right? So loosen up a bit. Look at your neighbor. Say, this is for you. And look at your other neighbor and say, this is for you. And the one that you looked at first probably meant you thought they needed it more. So just remember that. But take authority over your life with the word of God. We have to speak it because if we don't, you know, the enemy, the devil, he can't read your mind. The Bible specifically says that only God knows the heart. He's the only one who can see the inside. He can only read your brain. God knows what you're thinking. The enemy doesn't. So if you sit in your corner, in the room of your house, in your chair, and you just sit there and you like to silently pray over yourself, the enemy isn't hearing all the truths and promises and things that you're proclaiming over your life. Therefore, we're not actually breaking anything off in our home because the enemy can't hear you confessing it over your household. The power is not active if you're not speaking it because the enemy still thinks he has a stronghold. When, if I just stand here and I say, ooh, I realize that my house seems to have a lot of division in it lately. Very divisive. Like there are, there are words being spoken. There are things happening. And I'm just like, I'm going to go ahead and pray about that. And the, the, the Lord's like, amen, that was good. And the devil's like, okay, cool. So I can still, I can still hang out. Because the enemy can't read you. Some of us think that the devil can read your mind, and he can't, which is a good thing, because if he could, he'd be winning a lot more. But we have to speak the word of God over our households. We have to proclaim it over our lives, over our families, to break off the strongholds that the enemy has established in our houses in our own hearts, in our families, in our businesses. If we want to break the chains of the enemy, then we have to speak the word of God because that is the weapon. You can grab your sword and you can start tearing down the stuff of the enemy when you proclaim the word of God over your life. The word of God is able not only to fight this spiritual battle or an enemy that we fight on a day-to-day basis, because we do. The Bible says we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. So we know that this spiritual battle is constantly waging and we must speak the word of God to break off the strongholds that he's establishing in our houses. But not only can we speak the word of God and wield this sword to fight the enemy, but the word of God is able to penetrate the hearts of man. It's 
the word of God is able to reach your cousin, your mom, your brother, your sister, that person that you think is helpless and hopeless and unable to ever hear from God, right? The word of God is able to penetrate the hearts of man. It doesn't just pierce through the strongholds that the enemies established. It speaks to our inner being. So when we proclaim the word of God over our children, amen, When I proclaim the word of God over my marriage and over my house and over this church, I truly believe that it's penetrating the hearts of the people who hear it, which is why we pray out loud here in this church, right? We pray at the beginning of services, at the end of services, during service. We confess when we're singing these songs, right? We are usually wrapped up in these awesome lyrics, our promises and words from the Bible. And so we're proclaiming these truths over our lives and the enemy is hearing it and he's shaking in his boots. But not only that, when we're proclaiming it, the word of God is penetrating our own hearts, softening us up just a little bit, right? And so the word of God is able to penetrate the hearts of man. And it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 11 or verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I find that to be so true because sometimes when I read a scripture, it just hits me like right here is discerning the thoughts and intentions of my heart at times, right? When you're reading a scripture that is so applicable to where you're at in life or what you're going through or what you're facing, the word of God is alive and active and breathing, it says. So it speaks to our circumstances. It speaks to our soul and it discerns my own intentions, right? Because when I get faced with the scripture that is true, how many of you believe the word of God is truth? Uh huh. And when I'm not, when I am not properly walking or in alignment with a truthful piece of scripture and I'm confronted with it when I read it, usually there's a little bit of conviction involved. Amen. Can I get a show of hands? Y'all been convicted this week? Not of a felony or anything, just by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But the word of God is able to do that in my heart because scripture clearly says, it is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And if we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we are saved, if we are children of God, then when we read certain scriptures, at times we're confronted with our own humanity, right? We're confronted with the fact that I might very well be sinning right now, right? Like when it says, love my neighbor like I love myself. Maybe you weren't very nice to your neighbor last week. Maybe you put up a sign that pointed next door to their house that said a few things. Maybe you kicked their dog the other week for going to the bathroom in your yard. I can't blame you for that. I would love to do that sometimes. Not really. You'll never know. I'm not going to tell you the truth. Do I want to? Yes. Am I going to? Probably not. However, the Bible says very clearly to love your neighbor like you love yourself. And when I read that scripture at times, sometimes I'm convicted in a different way, either because I actually did something that wasn't nice to somebody that I know. Or sometimes when I read it, because like it says, the word of God hits the soul in the spirit and it's able to even discern my thoughts and my intentions. Sometimes when I read that, I look at it differently because not only am I supposed to love my neighbor, but it says I'm supposed to love myself. And the Holy Spirit will start speaking to me in a moment when I read scripture like that, and it will allow me to stop focusing on other people. And it then points at me and it says, 
am I loving myself because maybe my own attitude and the way that I feel and the way that I'm interpreting circumstances is affecting the way that I'm treating other people. And the word of God will convict me like that. And it will hit my heart and my soul to the point to where it allows me to discern my own actions. And mature men and women, if you're a mature Christian in this room, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you're confronted with scripture, which you believe ultimately to be truth, the word of God, then when we know that our lives aren't aligning with the piece of scripture, we will do what is necessary to get back into alignment. Amen. Amen. That's the hope. That's the aim. That's the goal. But if we believe it to be true, then we will do everything that we can to try to get back in alignment with the word of God so that we don't feel that conviction anymore. Because I don't want to feel convicted every day of my life because that turns into condemnation. And that's not from God. But I can start condemning myself if I choose to habitually keep doing what it is that I'm doing and go contrary to what the word of God tells me to. And so there's a reason why sometimes we do feel convicted when we hear scripture, when we preach it or when we're just simply reading it. But sometimes if our life doesn't align with the word of God, we begin to feel it in our hearts. We begin to feel it in our day-to-day actions. And it, it really, at times, it, it can get heavy. However, I'm grateful God has already forgiven me, even in spite of my misalignment of the way that I've been treating people, doing things, and operating in my life. But I'm so grateful that I know Scripture because I get to proclaim it over my life that he has set me free. And who the son sets free is free indeed. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. The word of God is your sword. The enemy wants you to think that you're a piece of garbage, that you're no good, that you're never going to be able to get to point A because you're down here at point Z, right? He wants you to think that you're never going to be a good Christian, that you can never be holy, that you'll never amount to anything. But if you can proclaim the word of God over your life, because who the son has set free is free indeed. You aren't who you used to be. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh, there, there, there I go again, wielding my sword, breaking off the chains of the enemy because he doesn't get to define who I am. Scripture does. Therefore, we must take up our sword, go on the offense, and start fighting the lies of the enemy that he is constantly spewing at us every single day. There is no weapon more powerful that God has given us to fight than his word. There are so many different things that he's given us, so many different tools that he's given us to fight, but the word is the most important one. Some would argue, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's, that's awesome, but usually it's because you believe the word that he even exists and lives inside of you that the Holy Spirit is actively doing something. So you got to believe his word first, what it says in the word, in order to actively operate within the Holy Spirit who's been put in your heart and in your life. The word of God is active, alive, breathing, moving, always able to speak. And so we must then continue to speak it over our lives. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, I love this verse because it says all of scripture, which is the word of God, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God be complete and equipped for every good work. I'd say that's a whole lot of good things in regard to the word of God. All of scripture, not some of it, not just the New Testament, no, the Old Testament as well. All of scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. The word of God can teach me. 
It's also for reproof, which means rebuking. How many of y'all been corrected by the word of God a few times in your life, right? Sometimes your friends have to remind you of the word of God. That also is a form of correction and rebuking and reproof. The word of God is also used for training purposes. Training in that which the more that we meditate on his word, the more that we ingest it and take it in and hide it in our hearts, we do a better job of living this life as men and women of God. Because like David, he said, I want to hide the word of God in my heart so that I might not sin against you, Lord. And that's how we can operate. Scripture is used for teaching. It's for reproof and rebuke. It's for correcting. It's for training. And so it's up to us then to know the word, which means we better be taking in the word of God every day. And some form or capacity, some of you are doing it through podcasts. You do it through audio books, but nothing is ever going to replace actually sitting down and reading it. Because Man, you can get all of the senses going when you speak it out loud, when you take it in with your eyes and you see it, and when you're actually touching that that paper. There's something about that at times. I don't know what it is. But when you start speaking it and praying it, reading it out loud, that begins to change us. But it also equips us for the battle because you are not meant to just be a punching bag for the devil. You are meant to be out there fighting the spiritual battle, breaking off the chains of the enemy, amen? You have the ability to rebuke him off of your life. If he's got a chain, if he's got a stronghold set up right now, if there's an encampment in your camp, then you better take it out. And you can do that with the word of God. So today we're gonna pray. If you would just stand up right where you are. That's right, we're fighting, so you can't do that sitting down. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to actively fight. Some of us, we need to break off these strongholds, and the Word of God is able to do that. You believe that, church. And so we're just going to pray over these strongholds right now in our lives. And if you want, you can even repeat after me. I didn't actually intend on doing this, so if I say a bunch of lots of words, just follow along and try to follow. But we're going to do this because I truly believe that God wants some chains broken this morning, amen? That he wants some of these strongholds broken off of our life that the enemy has established. And he does that through the form of different spirits, spirit of division, spirit of independence, right? These injustices, the spirit of addiction, the spirit of adultery. There are lots of different spirits that attach themselves to our life, but we can sever that bond, that stronghold with the word of God. So let's do that this morning. Just repeat after me, say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for the part that I have taken of the injustice that has brought me to this place in this situation. Whether of my own doing or somebody else, I grant forgiveness to the person that has offended me, that has hurt me. And Lord, forgive me of my part in it all. Forgive me of my feelings and my actions that I took as a result of the injustice that happened to me. I no longer allow that person to have a place or take up space in my life. I forgive them. Lord, I rebuke the spirit of division, of divisiveness. I rebuke the spirit of independence. I rebuke the spirit of adultery, of fornication, of sexual immorality. I rebuke them And we cast these spirits off and we put them at the foot of the cross to receive their judgment. They are destined for hell and they have no place in my marriage, in my home, in my life. Lord, we replace these spirits with your love, with your joy, with your peace. We ask that you would fill our hearts 
with your love, with your joy, and your peace. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the power to live this life victorious and as an overcomer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe so you can receive these new messages as soon as they're available. Also, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you who are part of Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages online, it's because of you that we're able to reach people locally and around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of the church, make sure you click the link in the description. To help us continue to spread the good news, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe. Have a blessed day.